0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this new series of podcasts, Luxury Insight, in collaboration with FashionNetwork.com. Today, we're very lucky and honored to welcome Florian de Saint-Pierre, uh, who's a leading talent scooter for luxury brands for over 20 years. Uh, Florian will share with us some secrets and uh, amazing stories about how to find the best talents of tomorrow. So, have a great podcast. Bye-bye.
1: Good morning. Florian de Saint-Pierre. Uh, I'm here with uh, quite probably, almost certainly, the most famous uh, headhunter in fashion and luxury in Western Europe, if not the world. Good morning to you, Florian.
0: Good morning, Godfrey.
1: Let's begin in the beginning. Where were you born and how did you get the first idea of working in fashion and luxury?
0: In fact, I I, I, I am born in Brittany, in the west of France, but I've been raised in Paris. And... um, I was passionate, in fact, by creative industries. Uh, I was passionate by what, what makes uh, you buy something? What makes something desirable? And of course, the most of you think was fashion. So that's why we got passionate into fashion. And I, all, I knew very early that I wanted to work behind the scenes, so that's why I graduated in finance.
1: In fact, where did you study?
0: I studied in uh, Lycée Janson de Sailly, and then I graduated from ESSEC, which was, I mean, one of the top, and which is one of the top business schools, and I enjoyed tremendously my time there. I went to Italy, I went to Australia, I went to travel the world, and then... It was my first experience in fashion.
1: Because um, your first job, if I'm right, was working at Christian Dior.
0: Absolutely, I joined, in fact, as an intern. In the finance department. Well, when you were twenty. I was. I was. I was. In fact, I graduated from Isac at twenty. Oh, you did. So oh, I was. Okay. No, I was not even twenty when I joined uh, as an intern. And Mr. Arnold just made the acquisition of the Boussac yeah. and there was Dior uh, as a jewel. And so our,
1: before he'd even gone into LVMH.
0: Oh, yes. It yeah. was uh, At the time, it was called Financière Gâche. Yes. and his first acquisition was, I mean, Christian Dior. Mm. And so I sent my resume um, to the new finance uh, director, who is absolutely amazing, and he recruited me as an intern. And I said, the minute I walked in, I said, I'm not going to leave, and I have not left for seven years.
1: So then you stayed in Dior doing, what did you do there?
0: I mean, I was super lucky, super fortunate, I was working super hard, but this was, I mean, I learned everything there. Um, I joined the finance department, and then I was given, and this was amazing, um, to set up the control, so the finance follow-up, of the design teams. So this was just amazing, this really exposed me to creativity and how it works.
1: You said to finance the, the contracts of the design team?
0: Not the contracts, it was really everything, which was the budgets. Uh, and at the time there was a design team in New York, there was a design team in Japan, and of course there were design teams uh, in uh, Europe. So it was, I mean, budget, budgets for the fashion shows, budget for the collections, budgets for the travelling, budgets for everything, and I was in charge of this. and then Then it went very well, a few years later I was given the budgeting and the control of the retail department in Europe, so it was the Avdi Montaigne yeah. and setting up all the uh, the financial follow up, but yeah. also the acquisitions of the franchisees. Because
1: in your first year, I'm guessing Mark Bohan would have been the creative director. Is that right? Uh, I it... too.
0: I mean, too much in the past. Let's talk about the future a yeah. bit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was Mark Bohan. But that,
1: and then you were there with the transition to uh, uh, Gianfranco Ferré. To
0: Gianfranco Ferré, and then I started my company in 1990 and uh, <clears throat> because i was i mean headhunted by an executive search firm who was specialized in finance so they contacted me and i am very curious i had no intention to leave yeah. i was super happy but as a very curious person i oh. went there and i was offered to join them yeah and you was my first client
1: oh okay so you joined this company outside
0: i joined this company yeah, my, it was my first client and I was, I mean, I really, it was so helpful to have experience to know what, what companies were talking about. And also it was super useful not to come from HR. It was super useful to come from finance because I am always passionate about how to create value, how to be ahead. No, it's not about recruiting. It's about creating an impact, a positive impact for a brand. So, After six weeks, I left and I started my own firm.
1: You left the executive firm, Jojo.
0: I left this executive search firm and I created my own search firm. So in fact, as you know, in France, we are very few women entrepreneurs. So I can say today that with my company, and maybe also a serial entrepreneur because I am the founder of Eyes on Talents and of ethics and boards. So I'm very proud to be a woman entrepreneur in this country because we are not that many.
1: What would, what, um, I mean, every brand diff- differs uh, a lot, and uh, French people always talk about the DNA of a brand and, uh, and how you have to respect that or sometimes revolutionize it. Um, when you first approach a brand, what are the questions you ask them about what they're looking for? If we're talking about choosing a creative director?
0: So, first, I look at who is the shareholder. <laughs> oh, really? This is not the most bit. important point. Who is the shareholder? Is the shareholder thinking ahead? Is a shareholder someone we can trust? Is the shareholder investing in the company on the long term? And if so, we are working because we want to, you know, create impact and positive impact. If not. I mean, I'm very sorry, but I mean, we are not uh, going to uh, be able to work. So who is the shareholder and who is the CEO? And what is super interesting is really, I mean, to bring together a CEO and with the CEO and with the shareholder creative director. Because it's not in silo. There is not a CEO on one side and a creative director. It's completely combined. And what is interesting today and I will answer your question. <laughs> what is interesting today is that it's not about creativity; it's about ideas. And a shareholder, a CEO, a creative director, originate ideas. Look at Remo Rufini, who has just been uh, honored yeah. as a Business Leader of the Year yeah. as the Fashion Awards in uh, England. I was uh, in the jury. I mean, he is. He has transformed. A very small French old brand and 15 years later it is a listed company that is uh, doing extremely well through ideas and of course then he has researched creatives that could help make these ideas ha- realize these ideas so the most important thing is Having a shareholder, having a CEO who is not imitating the past, who is not looking back as what has worked, but who is able to understand the society, understand that today the paradigms are China, 35% of the luxury market, data, and we're at Luxury Insight here, data, and ideas, or maybe ideas and data and and uh, the Chinese uh, consumer. So ideas, ideas, ideas. Once you have positioned this, then you can partner and find the right creative resource or resources.
1: So you're saying is the old idea of a creative director as a great illustrator who had a vision of, of women and could sketch that and had an idea of a deep dive into the brand and then sketching it, that's over, really.
0: Yes, sure. That period. Sure, sure, sure. sure, They don't really need to sketch anymore. But it has never been the case. It has never... Coco Chanel, Gabrielle Chanel was not sketching. Miltia Prada is not sketching. So we.
1: Chaloner and Karl Lagerfeld were. Where, where. did? Yes, uh,
0: but you know what? It's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Either you can. Valentino express, certainly yes, did. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Either you Versace can. Versace ex- did. E- uh, either you can express mm. with your hands yeah. your vision, mm. or you can direct as a conductor in yeah. an orchestra people who are experts. So it's about the idea. Someone who needs very, to sketch very well will, may never be a good creative director. So it's the idea first, mm-hmm. and the idea that is connected with the society, because an idea that is disconnected with the society doesn't mean anything. So a creative director, when we are looking for a creative director, we, or creative resources, or a creative organization, we are looking for people who understand. Today, who understands the society, who understands. Um,
1: when right. you say understand society and look at society, I mean, uh, besides the obvious, the Chinese millennials, the future market, artificial intelligence, algorithms, all that, what are the ideas you look for? I mean, what, what, give me some concrete examples of meeting a designer who said, These are my ideas for the brand.
0: For example, today, um, the question of beauty, the question of age, the question of gender. Mm. And so um, a shareholder, a CEO, a creative director, a designer who doesn't embrace Mm. those values is not part of our world of today.
1: Okay. He has to be open to change.
0: It's It's not open to change. He has to really absolutely be um, the fer de lance of those values. Because it's just the world, uh, fortunately, the world that we are living in today.
1: So you see, in a way, um, fashion and luxury playing a positive role.
0: I think that uh, the luxury, the luxury, I mean, the creative brand, what is luxury and not luxury? Uh, Apple is luxury uh, and Apple is not luxury. It's in terms of a very, uh, at the end of the day, informed customer Mm. and who wants things he can live with. Look at the success of Fenty, of Rihanna. Now she's the second uh, brand worldwide in terms of lingerie. Her beauty is Mm. just uh, exploding. Mm. And she's a creative. Virgil is a creative. Mm. Are there fashion designers? No, but they come with um, solutions for today's world they are the ambassadors of today's world and they come with products that are absolutely um, a response uh, to, to, to today's world.
1: Okay. Do you think designers have to be 360 designers? They have to know how to do shows, ad campaigns, social media, stores, personal appearance, handle the media. Do you think that's part of the job description today?
0: A. Um, I- no job description. <laughs> there job
1: description.
0: <laughs> no job description. And I think that, we, yes, in any position, we should really eliminate uh, job description. We should talk about what's the goal, what is to achieve. And if we change this mindset, it will never be about sticking to a job description. It will be, okay, what's the goal? At the end of the day, mm-hmm. I want to come to make a company um, fair, and doing well. And doing well and being fair. And I think that this is a very important statement today. But I mean doing well because then you can create employment, da 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 yeah. and being fair and acting in a fair manner in all way. So a creative director is someone who um as I said has idea and can either express those idea in a in a physical or digital manner or get the resources uh, to express it. So to your point, if it is someone who is just sketching or just doing uh, digital, it's not enough. It mm-hmm. is really someone who has a whole vision. But I mean, like Balenciaga had a, a global vision, like San Hardy's time, had a global vision, mm-hmm. like Paul Smith had a global like Calvin, mm-hmm. uh, like Nuccia had a global vision. So it's nothing new, mm-hmm. but it just means that today the creative assets are just on any fronts, because everything is visible.
1: You, you were, were famous uh, over your st- distinguished career of, you know, helping to find people like Christopher Bailey and Burberry, or Alber Elbaz and Lanvin,
0: among many others, Um Daniel, Schiaparelli, recently, Gerardo, Roger <laughs> Vivier, so many, uh, working on the assessment and the uh, nomination of uh, Alessandro well, Michele.
1: But, but, yeah, when you first went to... Uh, a lot of these people were, were not... St- some of them were had a reputation and moved over to a big brand, but many of them were like people within the team. They were design directors or, you know, they were not stars. Mm-hmm. How did you find
0: them? Oh, we, um, (laughs) this is probably my finance background. We are super rational. I think that's the combination today between ideas and being very rational. Having the ideas and what the brand stands for, what the brand stands for today, why Mm. was it successful and what will make it successful today. We have a very rational work where we know um, and I have team mm-hmm. to help me get to know who is doing what. Yeah. Everywhere, on every front. Yeah. Whether it is, of course, in fashion, but in beauty, in jewelry, in photography, yeah. in architecture, yeah. in digital, in all fronts. And so we know the number two and we know the number three. And uh, this is part of our...
1: Your scouting that you do. Yes. Okay. It's not so much them coming to you, younger designers just getting their resume into your hand.
0: Oh yes, it is on, on, on both sides, oh. but if they do not, we always we You're also watch um, we are super, super organized, so we, we really, I mean, start to watch them from graduation and from, from, I mean, also awards, and that's the reason why uh, I also um, launched Eyes on Talents, which yeah. is our company digital platform, which helps uh, brand who want also to research by themselves, um, creative, but also now managers... Uh, um, but, but at Eyes on Talents, we have graduates, I mean, all the graduates, and as now, I launched it years ago, we have very senior peer- people as well, because today, you may be working on a consulting basis mm. or in-house, so it could be project.
1: How many people work for your company now?
0: Um, for Florian de Saint-Pierre Associé, we we're around 12, 13, yeah. Yeah. 14. And we are based in three locations. We are in Paris, we are in Milan, and we are in New York. And we are traveling all London. the time. And we are namely, I think that we have never opened an office in London because we love to come to London and <laughs> it's very easy.
1: And in Eyes and Talent, that's also, that includes Eyes and Talent.
0: So Eyes and Talent is another company. Yeah. And in fact, we had many requests from creative and managers so. that we. Uh, couldn't address and we had requests from clients Mm. that we decided also couldn't take due to, I mean, time. So we decided to have a digital Mm. platform where it's by invitation, we have, I mean, uh, wonderful talent that we invite. It's very visual and of course it's on structured data. So you can research people by uh, his or her school, by the number of years of experience, by any kind of uh, heart criteria, but also by visual. Because everything today is visual. You are launching a perfume, it's visual and you're a marketing director. You're a creative that has designed a bottle of the perfume, I mean, you need to express visually. So uh, it's very, very visual.
1: The the historically, of course, um, you know, when I know designers who've Mm. discussed to me how they got Mm. big jobs. And there was often four or five or six meetings, you know, often for the LGH companies, there could be 10, you know, you could go just to become not even the the creative director of a brand, but a design director or the men's designer. You go through a lot of meetings. Nowadays in the digital era, there's a lot less of that, you know what I mean? You're showing uh, pe- people's talent through visuals, as you say. Has it, has it happened that some people have been appointed without ever meeting their, uh, their future bosses?
0: No. Not there quite. is always a physical meeting. But yeah. what is interesting is that it's open. It gives fair um, yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you may be based in New York. Yeah. And through a digital platform, you yeah. may see someone who is based in Japan, who, yeah. who is doing the most exquisite, I have in mind, yeah. <laughs> the most exquisite um, pieces of, uh, of uh, craft. Mm. And then you decide to have a conversation with this person and then to meet this person. So in fact, it just opens the possibilities of reaching out to people who are, you know, who doesn't necessarily want to live in large cities or who have practices that are less visible. So it really opens. Okay. Then. How, if
1: uh, a young uh, person is approaching for an pair or a brand, Uh, for their first interview or the first discussion about what they want to do in their career. Can you give me five do's and five don'ts about the early meeting?
0: (laughs) Five do's is be yourself, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. These are four four do's. Um, Now, I think that be yourself and think, always think about what your dream is.
1: What your dream is. What
0: your dream is. Uh, Because it's always my question. What is your dream? And this is the only question I cannot answer. And some people tell me, oh, I mean, I have not thought about this question. And I said, you know what? Do not let anyone think (laughs) and answer this question for you. Sometimes people told me, you know what no i cannot share with you my dream because it's so far away from our industry and i said you know what i mean up to you if you wish to and just sharing their dreams or their passion i said but you know what then i have a client that would be super interested to meet with you because you realize that when people has a passion when someone has a passion this person is so knowledgeable and I remember a story of someone who was working for Sony oh. and this person was a pen collector.
1: A pen collector? A
0: pen. Pen collector. And it's just through um, asking this question. It was years ago, so that's why yeah. I can this was the story. It was years ago. And I asked this question, what is your passion? What is your dream? And this person told me, Do you know what, I, I, it's very far away from our conversation and said, I mean, if you wish, and then this person said, Do you know what? I am a pen collector and said, how come you're a pen collector? And this person knew everything about pen. And I was just recruiting the head of the handwriting instruments for the most important brand in the sector. Yeah. And this person got the job in a minute.
1: Because <laughs> he had the passion. That is-
0: and he has the knowledge and he has a passion.
1: Um- you, uh, when I, when we first met, when we were, when we were both starting off, I mean, you had been, uh, you were a headhunter when I first met you. Yes. Yeah, so you'd done a few years. I know you'd opened your business, maybe, but um, when I arrived in fashion, the media had a lot more power than it does today. You know, um, uh, the VOGues. Mm. Uh, my old, my old boss, Mister Fairchild, was where daily was the bible. Everyone was scared of them. Um, how do you think that change in the reporter force between the brands and the media has changed the way uh, creativity and, and brands behave?
0: I think that we have experienced the same change yeah. uh, because, I mean, it's yeah. the access to information. Yeah. Before, to access information, yeah. you needed to read a media. Yeah. Oh, so you were owning the information. Yeah. The information yeah. couldn't be accessible otherwise. Yeah. As for us, it was the pre LinkedIn. So Mm. knowing who was who was doing what where, yeah. you had to go through us. Yeah. Now it's yeah. a world where information is available yeah. and anyone in the street can get an information and
1: put it live.
0: Yeah. However, what has the value as a media, oh. what is the value for us is the idea and the brain. Yeah. So in fact, the context, the analysis, and this is not um, really I mean putting and shaping, mm-hmm. uh, contextualizing information mm-hmm. is something that is very unique, uh, that is very unique and only, I mean, people with a lot of culture mm-hmm. and a great media background can do it. Yeah. As for us, I mean, Anyone, every talent manager who is on his LinkedIn every day can know who is doing what where. However, the idea to take this person or this person, I mean is part of uh, the the value we create.
1: Do you think the uh, approval, the approvation of um, the trade publications, Women's World Daily, Business Fashion, Fashion Network, or the magazines, uh, still count when people are making their opinion about who they're going to hire and how they want to operate?
0: I think that these publications are super important mm. and still uh, super meaningful i read women's mm. world every day yeah. uh, or every minute where yeah. every time there is a breaking news yeah. i read business of fashion every oh, every yeah. day so because it is a, aggregated oh. um, filtered aggregated oh. and contextualized okay. so i think there is always be room for smart information mm-hmm. that is aggregated and contextualized
1: okay do you? Um, there was a moment for me, a kind of um, uh, when Alexandra McKayley came on board in in Gucci, where um, I mean, I thought it was a breath of fresh air, but a lot of the uh, daily newspapers didn't really warm to the idea. Uh, whereas the uh, influencers and bloggers immediately liked it, and uh, there was a kind of change in tide, where all of a sudden there was a new jury out there. What do you see the role of influencers in terms of influencing the choice of the designers uh, who will be uh, creating?
0: Honestly, I remember I was part of the yeah. assessment of Alessandro. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I was at, uh, of course, at his first show, and yeah. I was seating yeah. uh, sitting to. Um, in fact, I was sitting in, in the media section, and yeah. everybody was. He's not even done the show before they were criticizing, say, I don't understand why it was not X, Y, Z. Uh-huh. And so suddenly I said, this industry is very strange. <laughs> Super strange. They have a preconceived idea, um, and then, <laughs> and then there was an immediate support from the audience because I mean, of course, he was bringing um, someone not only in terms of design but in terms of ideas. It was challenging beauty, um, questioning beauty, questioning gender, questioning age, questioning repositioning Italy also. Um, so. In fact, your question is interesting yeah. because it shows that the audience, the bloggers, the influencers, mm-hmm. are now more, maybe more qualified or more educated uh, yeah. than people in media who might have preconceived ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's a really a wake-up call for <laughs> media to say no preconceived ideas. Yeah. We're not at on time anymore of preconceived yeah. ideas. Yeah.
1: In the uh, uh, modern society, we talk about algorithms and artificial intelligence. i uh, you know i uh, I'm sometimes permanently shocked when I even just have a conversation with someone about something within forty eight hours i'm getting an ad i don't quite you know it's nearly a magical power how, how uh, in a scary kind of way sometimes uh, how do you think that will affect? Creativity in the future going ahead.
0: It can affect yeah. creativity yeah. massively. I think that it doesn't affect ideas, yeah. strangely. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't affect ideas. Yeah. It can affect creativity. So it means the execution of ideas. Mm-hmm. Only because I mean when you have data, masses, million, billion of data, yeah. then it's very tempting To produce products or services that respond to this data, Uh, so this is super dangerous because otherwise you are always a little bit about um, backwards about existing data, and then the next step is of course maybe data can be. um, You can have a, um, a data that can predict the future. So I think that it's probably a world that we have already entered Mm. (laughs) massively on many, 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 many fronts. Mm. Um, And I do think that, I mean, ideas, especially ideas that resonate Uh, with society and creativity will always a little bit escape to this. Because I mean, part of it will be dictated by data. But I mean, an Alessandro Michele, for example, I'm not sure that he will, I mean, part of the collection may respond to data. But really, the idea that makes the difference will not come from data, I don't
1: think. Good. Um, uh, In the last 10, 20 years, especially the last 10 large investment groups, Mm -hmm. Have decided to include fashion luxury in their portfolio, you know, as well as defense industries and technology. They all feel they need to have two, three, five percent of their portfolio in this world. Um, and we see that many brands have been bought. When you're dealing with companies like that, Premier or the Qatari Investment Fund, or whoever you deal with, how does that change the way you operate and who you suggest should work there?
0: Um, I think that they are very there are really two uh, different kind of investors yeah. real split yeah. the investors that know uh, that have already i mean invested in uh, fashion yeah. and luxury yeah. since yeah. many many years mm. they are super prepared they know that it's for the long term yeah. and they have many investments um, in this area and they know what it means mm. and they are super super uh, equipped yeah. then you have investors that Uh, where fashion represents just one uh, part of their portfolio. It's very important to understand whether it is a short-term or long-term. If it's on the long-term, then it means that they are ready to take the necessary steps and then know that it will not be a quick win in a minute. Everybody is um, dreaming of making a Gucci. However, it's very, 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 very unique. Short-term is not part of this industry. Yeah. So I'm very careful when we take uh, a client just to make sure that they understand that this industry is not about short term.
1: There are many examples of designers who don't work out and uh, are of designers who do very interesting collections, but it still doesn't work. Our designers contend today now to have to always have double digit growth of minimum 15-20% otherwise you're not really doing your job or you know is there a future for
0: this is a very interesting question and I think that we should on many fronts uh, question growth Uh, what means growth what means sustainability what Mm -hmm. means fair play, yeah, yeah, yeah. fair game, yeah. fair share, yeah. fair share as well for the suppliers, fair share for the employees. Yeah. So all this fair game for the, for the mm-hmm. planet, mm-hmm. I mean, about sustainability. So I think um, I'm not naive, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that when you're a listed group, it's super difficult, I mean, to escape from mm-hmm. uh, the pressure of the market. However, I think that it's time to value this long-term uh, brands that are not just about growth, but about, I would say, more about the the quality of their brand. The quality of their brand, it means that that the brand is years after years still very meaningful. But while uh, we are talking about that, I think that there is also a very important ingredient uh, that will come in the mix, is that... Now we are today, we we have a world that is shaped by Western brand and Japanese designer.
1: A little bit. A little bit. But a significant point in terms of creativity. In
0: terms of creativity and in terms of influence. They've been, and they are, super important. However, now that we see that 35% of, uh, the yeah. consumers are Chinese yeah. and not to mention, I mean, uh, all the countries around China, maybe in the next decade, we will see as well brands that will come and designers who will come. In the film industry, we have yeah. wonderful directors, member of the board of the Zami de Pompidou, and I was there for the opening of the Centre Pompidou uh, with, uh, with Bund. Uh, there are Qui
1: Centre Pompidou.
0: West Bund in Shanghai. Oh, yes,
1: okay. Well, they have a Centre Pompidou on the Bund in Shanghai.
0: It's a collaboration between the West Bund Museum and the Centre Pompidou okay. that was uh, just opened in, uh, in November. And they are amazing uh, Chinese artists. Oh, okay. My question is, when yeah. do we see as well non-Western yeah. <laughs> uh, designers or brands that will, you know, be...
1: Do, do you go to many fashion shows?
0: No yes and no <laughs> how many it's, to the it's a matter of time my team do many 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 fashion shows but also more important than fashion shows it's a studio visit because I mean studio visit I mean to see how designers work is super important so I do um, uh, per seasons. I would do a key 10 key shows uh, but my team I have a dedicated team that do not only shows but also also visiting studios and visiting graduations,
1: uh, but you'd probably only go to fifty shows a year. So. Yes, yeah, I, don't know. Um, I go to five hundred a year. I must have been to ten thousand at least in my life. Not many people have been to more shows than me. Um, in all my, and I've been to Brazil, to Rio, to the BRICS, you know, the big countries: uh, Sao Paulo, Moscow, St. Petersburg, Shanghai, Beijing. I have yet to see a designer from any of the bricks, who's going to be the next great new thing. Um, Why do you think that is? You say that in artistic world, there are many great modern Chinese artists. Ai Weiwei is probably the top five artists in the world today. There are many important filmmakers from Russia. There are great architects from Brazil. There are, are Indians in technology. But in fashion, we don't see that in the brick. Why do you think that is?
0: I don't think that I have the answer. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but, no, but it's
0: interesting, I mean, I don't think that I have the answer, yeah, yeah. because I mean, when we really put the question as in many creative well. fields, uh, we have major yeah, yeah. creative minds, yeah. well. especially in art, film, I mean, why not in fashion? So I do not have the answer, mm. because it's not necessary about schools. I mean, many designers have not graduated mm. at school, so it's not necessarily school. So I do not have the answer. Uh, However, I'm convinced that it will happen. I mean, for sure.
1: Is democracy part of it? The idea of a certain sense of individual freedom and expression, the lack of concern about the vicarious of power, maybe does that play a role in the fact that those countries have not...
0: I'm not sure, because in fact you've seen, uh, you have often seen very interesting artists uh, coming from countries that are under political constraints.
1: Yes, but... We're talking about fashion and luxury, not so much pure But
0: even if you uh, think about them now, who grew up in a country which... Yes,
1: that's a fair point.
0: Yes, and who, I mean, who...
1: This country was invaded.
0: Yes, Um, invaded, I mean, was under, I mean, uh, huge uh, political uh, constraints, and who has, I mean, this has nurtured his creativity. At least he, I mean, refers um, to what he has... um, uh, to the environment he has grown up. Yes, his, his hometown in Abkhazia yes. was was yes. invaded by Russians, or yes. separatists, and he's yes.
1: forced it. Um, when um, certain, now as you're talking about the obligation for growth being this maybe unnecessary uh, belief, but um, I'm thinking of designers who have made a impressive shows but somehow not immediately gained traction. In the more recent past, uh, uh, Ricardo Tisci, mm. unquestionably a great designer, he's done very interesting things in Burberry, but somehow not so much traction commercially. Why do you think certain designers, I'm not saying he doesn't work, but for the moment, uh, in certain houses don't work out? Why do you, what do you think is that?
0: I think, I, I mean, well, what, we've, what, we've, what yeah. we're watching usually yeah. is that it always takes... A little while for the market to adapt.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Always. Always a little while. And the biggest, um, yes, the biggest about is. I mean, it takes a little time. So I think that what Ricardo and what Marco are bringing, Marco Gabetti and Gado Tichy are bringing to uh, Burberry is really, I mean, this repositioning oh. on creativity, ideas, and quality, and then you need also this execution on a large scale. Yeah. So because it means also, I mean, reassessing the suppliers. So there is a lot of
1: okay. behind
0: yeah. hard work, behind the scenes uh, work to that is uh, that is currently done. So that's why I was mentioning earlier short term versus long term. Shareholders of the stock market, in this case, shareholders need to understand that fashion is not quick. Yeah. It's not quick. Because, I mean, especially now where there is this fast, fast, fast on everything, then you need I mean, people to get, again, their attention on your brand.
1: Um, the great buzzword of today is sustainability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, uh, fashion has come under a lot of attacks in the last several years, especially I think beginning with Livia first famous documentary about um, the pollution is created in manufacturing and cleaning and creating and, and, and travel. And, um, so my, not a day passes in my office when I get an email from someone telling me about their sustainability project. Do you really think there has been a major, major movement or, or as the French say it's uh, the long du bois, that people are just paying lip service to this?
0: I think it's even broader than that. I think that sustainability is just a pillar that should have been addressed since years. Yeah. I mean, we were just like like this. And so once again, it's when the audience is talking when the consumer is talking yeah. that companies probably were But so now they are talking about sustainability and it's time for action and for results. And it's good because, I mean, most of them are really addressing this in a very efficient manner. However, I think that there are other fields of the for purpose, for fare that is super important. How do you treat your suppliers? Because if you're buying direct or purchasing direct uh, has a bonus oh. on um, delaying the payment of uh, suppliers, This is not a fair thing to do. So I think that there is sustainability, but sustainability is part of the bigger picture, which is about, I mean, fair. And I think this is fair, fair Fair to your employees, fair to the planet, fair to, um, uh, to all the stakeholders. I mean it's interesting. I mean at Eyes and Talents, we are the partner, as you know, um, of Paris Good Fashion. Yeah. So we launched call for applications on our um, so we have yeah. a lot of philanthropic yeah. initiatives. This is a part of a philanthropic initiative for Paris Good Fashion. And we have a launch a call for applications yeah. about um, differently able people. And so this is a topic that is very little addressed. By fashion companies. So, uh, how does fashion or accessories uh, address differentiable people, disabled people? And so, there, I mean, w- the response of this call for application was. Absolutely amazing! This was announced at uh, Institut Français de la Mode um, last June, and we had four laureates. One of them was already a- awarded at um, Festival de Year Is is someone who has designed jewelry, and so that. If if you are um, uh, not hearing well, you can have a beautiful piece of jewelry. Another one was, I mean, working on accessories that you can put on wheelchairs so that you can have your bag or you can have your cup of coffee. So there is a lot of things that could be done and that are not part of today's world.
1: How do you um, see the role of um, awards, prizes, uh, there's like been an explosion of them in the last several years, you know, from here to LVMH to Andam, Vogue, CFDA, British Awards, you know. Um, you're nearly a fault if you don't have an award ceremony. What is the role of that in the
0: industry? Visibility is key today. Oh. So everything that um, helps... I mean, a leader, whether he or she is a creative leader or a business leader, get more visibility is super helpful yeah. because there are so many <laughs> that, in fact, having a jury of qualified people who say, okay, um, our eyes are on this work, and this work is interesting, gives a lot of visibility. So it is super useful, especially at a time when uh, creative people need to... I mean, find the resources uh, to sustain their own company. So, I mean, immediately when they have a visibility, they have had a little bit more traction from, you know, uh, stores, from uh, key players.
1: Um, About 25 years ago, I wrote wrote a story for uh, W Magazine. It was a big four-page broadsheet story which a lot of people reacted to, and it was called The Rich, Rich, Rich Designers, of how, you know, it was one of the few mechanisms that a person would become very wealthy very quickly and live like a Renaissance prince, and the example was Versace or or Manet. Do you think with the entrance into more corporate groups, uh, LVMH, Caring, Vendôme, and uh, Richemont, and also Financial Capital, that the returns, the payments to the designers, uh, have gotten less. Because I think they have.
0: I'm not, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would not answer your question right away, but it leads me to answer okay. in a different okay, way. Okay, okay. I question who during his or her life, will be able to build a company of the size of a Calvin, of a Ralph, or a Versace, or a Mucha. And this is a key question. This is a key question.
1: Has that era gone?
0: Maybe. I mean, at least I do not see it. Because I see very talented designers. Mm -hmm. We're talking about them now. But I do not see company of this size anymore.
1: Yes, the last in a lifetime. the last young designers who did it are who? Dolce Gabbana in their fifties. Probably
0: running. Dolce Gabbana. Probably yeah. Dolce Gabbana.
1: Is that the last?
0: Greece, but it's not at the same and size. And he already sold out. Right. But if you think about this generation that has built I mean mm-hmm companies of the size <laughs> well, <laughs> of a Ralph, well, well, well. of a Calvin, yeah. of a mutual well, of a Valentino, of an Armani. So yeah. the question, my question yeah. is,
1: Tommy Hilfiger.
0: how come yeah. it doesn't happen? Well, how
1: come? How you're, come? You're, you should be the expert here. <laughs> I mean, what is your re- explanation?
0: I think that probably one of the exp- explanation is the changes of society. You know? <laughs> um, and probably I would say that the one who, have, who are managing it probably there are a few, but completely um, in a different business model would be I would say Off White, yes, and Fenty, and yes. Supreme. Yeah. So these are the ones who have built I mean companies of a large scale, very quickly. Particular,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, uh, very quickly, yeah, and they are still young. So the company can even become uh, bigger. So what is super interesting is that, in fact, they are focused on ideas and creativity. Mm -hmm. Ideas, this stands for something. It's a value that is expressed through product. So ideas and values. Then the uh, execution of the product, whether it is... um, furniture like uh, yeah. Virgil, uh, whether it is fashion, whether it yeah. is any kind of, uh, of product. And in fact, they have not yeah. focused on distribution. Yeah. Distribution is operated by, I mean, a company like the New Guards or yeah, yeah, a yeah. partner. Yeah. I mean, Fenty has a partnership with LVMH. Uh, yeah. So they have focused, quite interesting, because their business model is different. Yeah. They are focused on the creative ideas, I mean, okay. the, 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 the ideas.
1: Well, I, I, I'd say two things about both of them. First of all, my understanding was when New Guards was bought mm-hmm. by uh, farfetch mm-hmm. that that uh, Virgil Abloh ended up getting nothing because he owned the brand, but they sold the uh, the license. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really profit. He, he almost seems to have walked out of the brand, and certainly for the foreseeable future. So, Uh, Unfortunately for him, it seems unfair, but that's my understanding. And uh, in the case of uh, Fenty, I would have thought possibly, arguably, for once Bernard Arnault didn't make the greatest deal in the world, the best deal maker of them all, the the most intelligent businessman in the industry, because he owns uh, or he's a partner in in her couture, you know, streetwear brand, but. She owns the underwear business. Uh, how do you react to that?
0: I just reacted to that to see that probably I will take the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> the other way around to see, in fact, uh, if it would be easy, yeah. um, or maybe mm. in terms of business model, to say that today, I mean, is it possible for a creative mind mm. yeah. to be able to produce and distribute? Yeah. I mean, through digital, e-commerce, yeah. or whatever on his or on our own? Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently not.
1: So that era maybe?
0: Yes, and in fact, what is important, probably the most important thing is that um, uh, key creatives can express their values Mm. through um, product or Mm. or services. So this is the most important thing. It's not the how, probably, it is the what.
1: How does it, in a sense, the role model is more now someone like Karl Lagerfeld, who uh, always said he was a gun for hire, you know, whether it was Fendi or Chanel. His own brand, historically, until very recently, was very modest or fair. And that seems to be the career path of most of the... Young designers coming out of the better schools—they want to be hired and eventually become creative director of an existing brand and take it to somewhere new. How does that change creativity? How do, what?
0: Do you know what's interesting? Because you do uh, many graduation, uh, uh, my team uh, do many graduation, uh, and uh, I do many uh, uh, juries. I think I see most of them um, who are willing to start their own line. Let's take the example uh, in, uh, in the UK. Look at the uh, Greg Green. Look at the Richard Queen. Look before the Simon Rochelle. Mary Katranzu. Mary I mean, they Anderson. In fact, they are very smart. Yeah. They have their own line. Yeah. They are sustainable. Yeah. Most of them are self-financed and yeah. they are not small anymore.
1: And they own the business. They own their business. Yeah.
0: And they are, because I mean, they are mm. great talent. Yeah. Financially sound, Mm. and then they can pick and choose the consulting that are good for their brand. For example, Montclair has reached out to Simon Rocha, to Greg Green, to Richard Queen. So it's. You know, it's a very, very yeah. good win-win situation yeah, yeah, on yeah. both sides. Mm. But I think it's a very, very... And what I see is that most of them in France, you see mm. Marine Serre and Christelle Cochet. and
1: Jacemus And Jacques
0: Jos- Emus, Emus mm. who is doing extremely well, um, who are taking this path.
1: Yeah. So do you think any of those will ever grow into global brands? In 30 years' time, will our will our kids be... Or our grandkids be, you know... But going but in those stores,
0: But um, buying those
1: clothes, or looking they, for that
0: look. But maybe they do not want to. Do you see what I mean? Probably they want to have the sustainable growth. Uh, yes,
1: but you could say Versace or Armani had sustainable growth. So they, they kept ownership for until very recently. For or Armani still owns it.
0: Yes, but I think that you can never say, this designer should do like this other one. I think that it's because I was starting this conversation uh, talking about the business side and the shareholder. They are the shareholder. It's very interesting because they are not only creative people, but they are also their majority shareholder. So, in fact, they are taking the path that they feel right for the company. Mm -hmm. So maybe it will be, I mean, a company of this size, not a global mega brand with perfumes and lingerie, but at the end of the day, it will be more sustainable on the long term. Do
1: do you think that's also partly because the new generation, like many people, now regard fashion as an art form, in part, so they think of themselves as much as artists as? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's what changed the perception? Because the older designers didn't think of themselves as artists, but now there's all these exhibitions at prestigious museums. So, you know, Richard Prada, I don't think, thinks of herself as an artist. Most people would, but she doesn't.
0: Um, I don't think that fashion is art, but I think that fashion includes the highest level of creativity, yeah. and designers yeah. can include they they are the ones who decide the highest level of craft.
1: Yeah.
0: When you think about a Richard queen, um, it's obvious. A great queen, it's absolutely obvious. Yeah. Um, so I think that there is this craft yeah. <laughs> that it can be different. I mean, there is a combination between art and craft as well. No? But I don't think that the intention is to do a unique piece mm. that you will not wear. I think that all these designers want their work to be, I mean, yeah. people's body, Same, yeah. um, at the end of the day. However, that it includes creativity, that it includes craft, mm. yes. Um,
1: Final thing, um, the names you mentioned in Paris and London who have built sustainable, you know, help probably by the internet that, you know, Certainly, net a and these other uh, or farfets or matches or miteries have all been very important in sustaining these young designers, in my view. But they've built sustainable business that sell in hundred to three hundred doors or five hundred doors, whatever. That hasn't happened in Milan or London so much. The generation in New York. Who were meant to be the new stars, is that close and closes business, Princess Gulu don't seem to be doing so well. There's not a new generation. In Milan, despite all the best efforts, the camera and and everyone, there hasn't been a new generation. Why do you think Paris and London have managed to have that new generation, but not the other two capital?
0: Huh. it's an interesting question. Uh, probably because I mean Paris like London, oh. have been able to attract people from all over the world, because if you think yeah. about Demna, Demna yeah. <laughs> yeah. has not even graduate uh, in France, but he has, I mean, he has he chosen came. Paris. Yeah, he has, yeah. oh. he has came here. So, um, and this has always been the case. If we think about the Nina Ricci, the Balenciaga, I mean, all these designers came yeah. uh, to Paris. So, or call uh, So it's more the power of attracting creative talents in some specific places. Then you will tell me why Paris and why London. So because maybe there is a context about very open culture in every field, whether it is contemporary art, dance, performance, music, where people feel, uh, you know, um, excited to live or to be part of.
1: Final question, Paris, you're French, I'm an Irishman, lives in Paris, (laughs) it's my home. Um, You know, we run around the fashion seasons, you know, fashion is like golf or tennis, there's four Grand Slam tournaments in there, Paris, London, New York uh, and Milan. Why is it though that Paris and the French have managed to maintain this leadership, that it's for men, women could choose the biggest season and the biggest brown summer are here.
0: Um, I would say two things. Uh, private initiatives, and I think that we have to thank shareholders like Mr. Arnaud, like François-Henri Pino, um, no, no. to have chosen uh, mm. incredible talent for their houses. Um, so part of it is that because I mean when you have incredible talent at the helm of uh, houses coming from all over the world, then of course it attracts to the city and to the fashion shows that are here then, I think that we have also to uh, be grateful to um, some uh, political initiatives uh, or to the Chambre syndicale that has really decided years ago Paris, Capital de la Creation. And Paris, Capital de la Creation was on every front, whether it is design, architecture, film performance initiatives like le 104 uh, in Paris like the Palais de Tokyo. all these initiatives have really boosted and built La Fiac, Paris photo um, all these you know branding but it's not just about branding it's about content of Paris being the capital where you can experience and see the best creatives so i think it is really being fortunate to have shareholders who have been uh, able and were able to pick up every time the best talent and uh, governmental initiatives that have decided really to support uh, creative uh, creativity on all fronts
1: Florian de our half hour conversation has turned into nearly an hour. <laughs> but I've enjoyed the <laughs> Thank it you, Godfrey.
0: Thank you. It's always a pleasure. We could go on.
1: <laughs> and I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as I have.
0: Thank you so much. As always, I enjoy so much I mean sharing and exchanging views with you. Thank you, Godfrey.
1: My pleasure.